Welcome to Run With Ben, endurance training for business and life. I'm your host, Ben Andrews. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Run With Ben. I'm excited to have a guest, finally, Sean Hackney, a good friend of mine from Bellingham, Washington. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me. Look forward to being your first. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, Sean and I met about seven years ago. Uh, we were both going to a conference in Monterey, California. We flew into San Jose. We didn't know each other, but um, Sean's like, hey, man, what, what's the flight arrangements? Turns out he was getting in about an hour before I was, and... He kindly said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll stick around. I'll pick you up. And this guy who I didn't know, really, we just messaged, messaged each other on Facebook, rolled up in a black Escalade uh, with massive wheels. And the first two things came to my mind is, one, I didn't know he was also moonlighting as a rapper. And two, this guy is so much more successful than I was because I'm good with the Chevy Cavalier when I get out of town. So, um we had a good drive up to Monterey, and uh, it was—it's it, been a joy getting to know you over the years, becoming one of my best friends. So glad to have you on the show, my friend. I appreciate it. Little did they—you uh, know at the time that I actually ordered a Prius, but uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll roll, I love we'll it. We'll roll with the uh, Escalade. I love it. I love it. Well, welcome to the show. This is Run with Ben: Endurance Training for Business and Life. Uh, all of us have gone through stuff. None of, you know, all of our stories are unique to us, but we've all gone through stuff. It's about how we get through it. Um, I'm going to let you talk about some of the things you've gone through, some of the things I know you've gone through, but really more importantly, what you've done and, and who's been around you to help you get through those things. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from and where you're at. Well, currently for the last 30 some years, I'm in Bellingham, Washington, right up on the Canadian border, north of Seattle. Uh, but originally grew up, raised, uh, born and raised in Oregon, and uh, went, moved out to the sticks to a little tiny town, uh, you know, out southwest of Portland. Uh, what what town? Little town called Gaston, Oregon. Nine hundred people and a blinking yellow light. Wow, wow! And now up in Bellingham, and not a whole lot more people up there. <laughs> few more, few more. All right. Yeah, still a small town, and. Uh, I seem to kind of navigate or, or head in those directions for yep. small towns. Cool. All right. So uh, what what got you up to Bellingham in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, I was, uh, you know, going to high school, obviously, in Oregon. And uh, sometime in my junior, senior year, uh, I was having some athletic success. And some scouts started looking at me for college football. Uh, and one of the places was this college in Bellingham, Washington, and came up here unknowing of anything about Bellingham, <clears throat> showed up on the campus, and they're touring me around and overlooking Bellingham Bay, and they said, uh, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, you're going to pay me to go <laughs> here and play football? I said, absolutely. Where do I sign? Cool, cool. And that is where you began your illustrious college football career. Tell us how that began and how quickly that ended. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for a small school and, and a small guy, I was, you know, did pretty well there in high school, um, came up to Western. One of the reasons uh, I played defensive back and running back, um, Western 
I got to carry the ball. And okay. for me, that's just, you know, the childhood dream, you know, Walter Payton wearing number 34. And uh, I knew coming up here that they had a senior All-American um, and I'd most likely redshirt my freshman year. But after that, it was kind of like game on wide open. And uh, so that was the idea. I came up here, kind of a cool story. Uh, <clears throat> my very first day on campus, I walked into the the gymnasium area where they had all the trophies and there was a 4,000 yard balls at the time, the only college player uh, who had had 4,000 yards rushing uh, throughout the entire career. And I remember looking at that going, my name's going to be on that, on that ball. Uh, so my freshman year, everything's kind of going as planned and I redshirted, which means it doesn't count towards my four years of eligibility, but I'm practicing each and every day. Um, and, you know, basically trying to earn my spot, you know, for down the road. Now, kind of put it in perspective, uh, they're now a D2 school. I show up, I'm the second smallest guy on the team. One of the kickers was bigger than me. Uh, <laughs> so I was quickly written off, uh, you know, kind of similar to high school, always a small kid. And they're like, ah, he's too small. I can't, he can't play this, this sport. And, uh, but I worked my tail off and ended up winning, uh, rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year award, uh, my redshirt freshman year so things were looking really really good headed into my what would be my first year of eligibility as a sophomore and that's when the wheels fell off started to so showed up on uh, campus i'd been working my you know tail off all summer and, and uh pretty excited to come in and have an opportunity to play at the next level and uh, get to start as a as a redshirt freshman <clears throat> and everything was going well uh going back and forth I think it was the week before the, the season opener, we had a scrimmage and um, I'm running with the first team. I was also going to be returning uh, punts. And so kind of the way it was, a, I mean, we had the referees there. It was a, it was a full, it was just a, a controlled game, so to speak, mm -hmm. and uh, called the blue-silver scrimmage. And uh, I ran my plays in first uh, with the first team, looking good, nothing really stand out, nothing bad, just a solid day. Waiting to uh, look at doing some, uh, you know, special teams in the punt return. My running back coach came over to me and said, hey, Hack, we're going to insert eight running plays. Do you want four of them? I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? right. I get, give me the ball, coach. Eight. Yeah, give me the ball. I get the ball. I get the rock four times in a row. And I remember saying to him, hey, I've been standing on the sidelines for a while waiting for special teams. Can I take the second four? He said, absolutely. So the first guy runs his first four, <clears throat> and then I hop in. And uh, I think we ran a play or two. And anyway, the play bounced out. And uh, I got hit in such a way, the shortened version got hit in such a way that um, at the time we didn't know what had happened, but eventually found out that I uh, not only blew out my knee, ACL, <clears throat> I the big part was I severed the artery in my leg and uh, nerve damage. So <clears throat> when this finally came out, um, you know, so I, nerve damage, no blood flow. They're talking amputation, I would think. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So when this finally came out, it was actually the Seahawks head physician who uh, kind of they, there's a part of the story I don't always tell, and just because it almost sounds it is truly unbelievable. Um, but when they finally figured it out, the Seahawks head physician came into me and said, "You know, Sean, I don't have any medical explanation why you have your leg. What are you talking about?" And then he told me about the, the artery, you know, severing. They immediately took me over to a, a specialist 
And I remember sitting next to my dad and them pushing a piece of paper across and it was giving them permission to amputate my leg. Um, and wow. I, I was, you know, you're 20 years old or whatever. And I'm like, what? He's like, son, you have no idea how serious this is. <clears throat> so it took uh, two six plus hour surgeries to save the leg. Um, you know, and, and then I was told that I wouldn't walk for a year and I wouldn't run for three to five years. And I said, well, wow. can I have the third surgery so I can try to play again? Right. So I, I did attempt to come back. Uh, it was very short lived, um, but I got to keep my leg. Yeah. I'll tell you, run with Ben, the long run book, which is coming out. Uh, I was accused of something that has stuck with me my entire life. That's hard to shake. Um, you know, when someone says something about you, says who you are, you can either choose to believe that or not. And oftentimes, unfortunately, we we hold on to that. Do you feel as though mentally you have been without a leg at some point in your life, at some times in your life? Oh, yeah. Um, I think when I was younger, you have a little bit more of a kind of a Superman mentality. It's like, hey, right. I, I can do this. You don't really think a whole heck of a lot about it. Um, and then, you know, there was a period of time once I kind of got through, I mean, it took a long time to learn how to, you know, do things again, walk and run and, and do all that and kind of get over the pain. Um, that took a, a long, long time. Yeah. But then I went through a stretch where it wasn't that big of a deal. It was just scars on my leg and funny stories. Uh, and yeah, you're right. There are certain times in life where it can almost be, you know, the prison cell. Right. And, you know, in years since, uh, last couple of years, it's reared its ugly head again in some uh, pretty phenomenal, amazing ways, but it's resurfaced a lot of those feelings and emotions from back then. Sure. And now you're older. And so it definitely does feel sometimes like you have to work intentionally to make sure that those, you know, those shackles or those handcuffs, you know, right. handcuffs are, you know, taken off. Right. I know that uh, <clears throat> several years ago, I did a half Ironman. Uh, and you and Marvin Phillip talked me into doing that. And for everyone out there, it was only 70.3. It was a half Ironman. And the reason I know that is because Sean Hackney has reminded me, I don't know, 50, 60 times. Dude, you didn't, you're didn't. you not an Ironman. You did a half Ironman. So uh, how many Ironmans have you done? I've done uh, I've completed 11 full Ironmans. Full. Full, full. Okay. Th thank you for clarifying that, Sean. Just want to make sure you do. All right, I got the picture, my friend. Do you think you're doing Ironman, which is something beyond what a lot of people would even envision, namely me? Um, do you think you're doing that because of this? You've talked about the little man syndrome, small kid, small town. Yep. Oh, hey, you're going to take my leg? No, I've still got it. I'm not going to play football again. Well, watch this. I'm going to go not only do an Ironman, but do several. Do you yep. think that has a lot to do with it? I think that's a definite layer in it. I mean, just again, being a small kid, small town, it, it's always when I started when, as, when I was younger and I started to see like you, you heard those things. Right. But then I started having success and there's that, that certain kind of emotion behind it. Like a right. dream rush of like, Hey, these people say I can't. And then all of a sudden you can. And so it kind of built this, I don't know, kind of a snowball effect for the rest of my life in different things. Um, hey, you can't play college football. Okay, well, watch. Right. Well, you, you can't run for, uh, you know, three. Okay. Um, the Ironman thing, too, has been interesting. Uh, um, 
No, it's a full Iron Man, just, just for clarification. Just it's a full okay. Iron Man. All right, full Iron Man. Okay, go ahead. The uh, That story actually started – I had no I had no background in the three. I mean, I was a sprinter in, in high school, and then I was going to be in college. And so, I mean, anything over 400 meters, one lap around the track was long distance to me. Uh, I didn't know how to swim. Uh, I didn't own – I owned a puppy bike, I think, BMX bike when I was mm. 10. Uh, so this – Sport was completely foreign to me. Um, at the time, this was going back to 2003, uh, my mom had already been diagnosed with uh, breast cancer and had been just a courageous, courageous battle. And I remember her saying something to me sometime in about 2003, you know, I'm to the point where I just want to live vicariously through you kids. And uh, so there's your why. What's that? There's your why. Yeah. And the whole triathlon thing had always kind of been rattling around in the back of my head. And I'm like, you know what? Let's let's go big. Let's let's give her something to shoot for. Right. Uh, so I signed up for an Ironman, having never completed uh, a triathlon. Yeah. Didn't I think oftentimes we do things bigger and more successful if we're doing it for others than we're Absolutely. doing it for ourselves. Yeah. She was pumped. Um, she had a she had a room scheduled. It was going to be in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in June of 2004. And uh, so that was the original kind of big why behind it. Uh, it was going to be a one and done. And Did she see you finish? What's that? Did she see you finish? No. Uh, unfortunately, in February 2004, she passed away. So forget training. Forget doing the swim, doing the bike, doing the run. Yeah. Talk about those last 10 meters going through the race, thinking about her. Oh, yeah. And then the 10 meters after the race. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, so much happened in that time frame that was so, so cool. I mean, us being involved with Buffini and company, I don't know if you remember, but Beverly Buffini had a, I can, I will, I believe. Right. That was her uh, mantra. And by the way, that works very well with running in cadence, uh, distance running. You can get into that kind of, that mantra in your head. Um, but yeah, during, I mean, it was not a fun experience, to be honest. Uh, I, I'd swam that distance once. It was a long, hot day on the bike. And then the run was just absolutely miserable. And honestly, kind of thinking about my mom uh, during those times, I mean, absolutely. It's like, gotcha. I'm not going to have this why and, and not get to that finish line. I don't care right. what time clock says. Right. So you get there, you, you get the last 20 meters. Do you, do you feel your mom with you? I just want to be done. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had so many cool family things that, uh, I mean, that yes. was such from February and then the races in June. So many cool things uh, that happened to us as family or as uh, individuals. And so for me during the race, there are absolutely moments in the race and afterwards. Yeah. It's like, you know, obviously I really wanted her to be, sure. to be there and see that. Um just because I, she would, was, I would argue she did. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So you don't have your mom anymore. Your biggest supporter. Mm-hmm. You're, I believe, working with your dad in real estate to yeah, a lesser sure. degree. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you how do you go through do, doing business? Right, like doing life. Doing you're starting your career in real estate. How how did that play out? Because your world has been rocked. 
And yeah. now that big goal that you have set for yourself, which often gets us through a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of hard times and allows us to focus on something else. Yeah. When you have to re-engage with reality, how, how did that endurance of business translate into life and vice versa? Yeah, I think this is another cool like layer to the story. Uh, on you know wh whatever you want to call it, the universe or whatever, bringing everything together is uh, in January 2004. So I was six months into real estate, um, and I ended up at this conference. Had no idea what it was. It was actually Brian Buffini, okay. and had no intention of getting a coach or anything like that. So this was uh, middle of to end of January 2004. Um, and you know what? There was something he's the, the genuineness of it, just the whole everything that he presented, and not just him, but all the coaches. I had an opportunity to witness them, and they didn't know I was watching. I was kind of a fly on the wall. All right, that's the best. It was it was just awesome, and so I knew I had to be a part of that. So I actually uh, signed up for coaching there on the spot literally took back and then they were still handing out dvds of brian on on right. tape and everything i took that to my mom's condo in her oh, final wow. days i'm telling my mom not knowing we were in the final days knowing things are rough but i'm telling her about this brian Maffini and popping in a, a, VH, a vhs tape trying to show her all this stuff and so i signed up for coaching and my mom you know it's, it's only you know a week and a half two weeks later when she passed away and I think fortuitously was involved in the coaching. Um, right. I think you said something about being intentional with it. I honestly, I don't remember. I don't really remember anything until probably May or June of uh, 2004. It's just a fog. Right. Actually, three days, three days later, my grandmother also passed away. Oh, so right. I literally went from a speaker at my mom's memorial to hopping an airplane and being a pallbearer for my grandmother. Wow. So I mean, really that first half of the year, uh, it was all <clears throat> the people around you and specifically coaching. Right. I know you've talked about one oar in the water that they helped that. Will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that was the very first uh, kind of coaching that I got from my coach. Her name's Heather Stasco. Um, it's just an amazing, she was an amazing coach, amazing person. And when this was all happening, and I didn't like it at the time. I mean, that's the thing about coaching. I always tell people, right. any type of coaching, it's not always lovey-dovey. It's not always giving me a pat on the back and, you know, the attaboy or attagirl. Um, you know, I wanted to mourn. And right. she said that. She's like, you need to do that. You need to mourn. But you also, if you're going to do your family and friends any type of justice, if you're going to honor your mom's legacy, you've got to keep one oar in the water. Um, wow. it, how, do, how? What was that oar? And how did you do it? I think honest, I mean, kind of getting specific to the systems of the, the, the coaching that the Finian company have. Um, I just committed to that. I, and just, I told myself and I tell anybody, you know, give anything like that, whether it's coach, anything in life, you've got to give it time. Uh, and so I committed in my head that no matter what they say to do for the next year, I'm doing it. Mm. Um, and I just honestly, blindly, followed her lead. Um, but I will say that, like I said, coaching's not always lovey-dovey. Right. Nine times out of 10, she was pushing all the right buttons that kind of fired me up. Right. I know uh, in writing my book, The Long Run, y'all all know about it. 
I will tell you some of the best stories. There you go. There it is. There it is. Uh, some of the best stories I've had is is about Bill Dellinger and, and Alberto Salazar both calling me on the carpet, but not doing it in a way to demoralize me, but to inspire me, to push me to, you know, get beyond where I was and helping me recognize you're in a bad spot because you're putting yourself in a bad spot. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, you need it. It's too easy to, it's so too easy to downward spot. One of the first, uh, I, I call it the nod. Uh, when I was a freshman in high school, again, 100, 125 pounds. And uh, I was, I mean, again, small school. So as a freshman, 125 pounds, I'm going against, I mean, they seemed mammoth and huge. And I remember uh, they kept running. I was on defense. They kept running the same two running backs at me. Same play, same play. And I'm just getting smoked and lit up. Uh, just demoralizing. Felt mm -hmm. like an idiot. Um, finally, through the grace of God, somehow he trips. But it looked like I hit him and uh, took him down. I'm like in my head just, Oh my goodness, I, I don't look like a fool. Right. He rolls over, this running back rolls over, he's a senior, rolls over on top of me and gets in, in my face and says, If you ever do that again, I'm gonna kick your <clears throat> your ass and my body. Right. And, you know, I'm a little freshman going, uh oh. Right. I was done. Like literally I'm walking up. As soon as they blow the whistle, I'm done. And I rolled over and the coach that recruited me uh, from middle school to play high school was about 20 yards away and heard everything that guy said. And he literally looked at me and I respected him so much. He literally just gave, he no words. He just went like this and gave me the nod. Yeah. I remember to this day, that's the whole reason I stayed. Yeah. Uh, just an amazing experience. It, it's just, it's the power of coaches and, and mentors right. surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and can direct you when you don't believe yourself. Right. One of my best stories about coaching ever um, and it, you know, it speaks to you. It speaks to Dan. It speaks to, you know, Tanya on my team it speaks to a lot of different people. Heidi, uh, you know, my coach, Bev coach Cammy, who has coached me coach Darren, like so many people have supported me. One of my favorite stories is the New York Yankees back in the nineties are having spring training and Don Mattingly, Donnie baseball is the most famous player in baseball at the time. First baseman. It was his last year. And he is outworking everyone and everyone's saying, you know, should he retire? He still got it. He still got it. And there was this kid, this 18 year old kid that they had brought up to, you know, just shag balls and help. And he was a, a big time, big time recruit. And, uh, Couple people fall down. Couple people get hurt. People are starting to get a little slow, getting a little lackluster. Donnie baseball still running crazy. He pulls this kid over and he says, "Hey, kid, I want to talk to you about something. I don't want you to try to impress the guys out here. We don't count. But what we need to do is push each other. What you need to do is be worried about that guy looking up out of the box up there. Your boss, George Steinbrenner." And so this kid just starts running crazy. They tell him to go out and shake a couple balls. He's sprinting. Tell him to go out and, hey, I want you to go to the – take the Gatorade over to the the, uh, the bullpen. He's sprinting. He's running all over the place. And 
a second baseman tripped doing base uh base base running drills yeah rolls his ankle so the second string runner second i'm sorry second string second baseman starts running in from the outfield joe tory the the manager gets a phone call in the bull or in the uh, the dugout and george steinsprinter's screaming at him saying get that sob off of my field I'm going to show him a lesson. Okay, I'll get the – nope, I'll, nope, nope, nope. I want that fifth string kid out there, the guy that's running around like crazy. I'm going to show everyone I'm willing to take a bet on a, a fifth string guy. Well, that fifth string guy was Derek Jeter. And it was all because of Don Mattingly, his, his fellow player, not his coach, but his fellow player saying, hey, buddy, you need to step up more. You need to do better. You need to be better. Absolutely. I love that story. We all know Derek Jeter later that year is playing in the World Series, gets a ring. Unbelievable. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it is amazing. I mean, we all, it's kind of overused, but, you know, we're the product of the five people we spend the most time That's around. True. But it just goes to show, I mean, who you surround yourself <laughs> with, who you're being mentored by. And those, of you, those of you who don't know what that means, um, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, these famous uh, personal growth guys, they, who were also led by Charlotte Bronte and other women before him. But they say if you take your five friends and add them up, that is who you are. You are the sum of the five people that are around you. So if you're running around, I remember in high school, my mom saying, I'm not going to name his name because I, I don't know if he's in or out of jail right now, but I don't want you hanging around that kid and here's why. She gave me an opportunity to check myself and say, now, Ben, you can, our family doesn't, we're, we're not going to do that. It wasn't the person, it was the activities. Yeah. And we're all guilty of doing bad things, but we also have to be reminded that failure is an event. Failure is not a person. But if in that case, she's like, no, nah, you're around, you're not running around him. Yeah. So it's, uh... so in, in, business as we wrap up about 10 more minutes as we talk about business what are some of the things in your opinion that has helped you succeed when a you have hit your ceiling like gosh those, that was the biggest goal i had or two i thought i'd be a lot further along than i am right now what are some of the things you have done to help push you through to that next level or just keep that one oar in the boat yeah um, I'm very much a momentum guy. Uh -huh. And so I always need to feel like I'm doing something. So if you get stuck in those times where like you mentioned the plateau or, or whatnot, you, for me personally, I have to figure out little steps. Um, we just got back from the peak experience this past yeah. year. We had a chance to listen to Brian and some other fantastic, brilliant speakers. And, uh, you know, the, the 1%. Of, right. It doesn't have to be much, but you have to do things. You have to be super intentional. Um, so for me, it's it's the little steps. Um, it's attending stuff like that and, and realizing as let's relate it back to, to sports. I remember my big breakthrough in Ironman came when there was a guy that was a good friend of mine. He was doing the same workouts as me. We're having the same time, but he kept beating. And I asked my coach at the time, who coached both of us, and he said, 
The difference is he doesn't miss the 15 and 20 minute runs. Mm. The little stuff I would blow off. I mean, it's like, Hey, you're doing, I'm doing a six hour bike ride. What's a 15 minute run later. I mean, right. Come on. Uh, but it was the little things when I made that shift in Ironman, the next season, just it, it launched completely. It just right. heads and tails different. So it's the same thing. Of, you've got to be intentional. You've got to remind yourself for me or, you know, with our group between us reminding ourselves of, Hey, it does make a difference. What you're picking up and reading next to you makes a difference. What you're listening to makes a difference. Even when the rest of the world says, Psh, that's not that big. Right. Well, I know with COVID, like we're all in a, I, I, I still think in a, a mental uh, and some of us an emotional pandemic of being in lockdown, right? Of going out of my town in Portland and seeing how the rest of the world is living right now. And then coming back to Portland was an eye opener. How shut off people are and how locked into their own minds they are. And thank you. I know you, Dan and I were on a text thread last week and I had said something, you know, rather negative about some stuff going on. And you said that, Respectfully, I'm staying away from this one. I'm going to be positive. I appreciate that. It was a good eye-opener to me of, all right, Ben, you got to stay stay on top of things, stay positive, stay positive. Oh, isn't it amazing? It goes back to, I mean, how everything's intertwined. Again, it comes back to the people surrounding you, right? And right. We're, we, everybody, everybody's the same in the sense it's easy to go down that negative spiral, and we're all guilty of it. And it just takes one of us every so often about, hey, wait, shh, time out. Right. Let's let's not go there. And right. uh, you know, I think the three of us, especially, um, do a really good job of that. Um, and you have to have those people around you, and you have to not just check your friend; you have to check yourself um, yeah. all the time. And then just you've got to have the the belief, um, just knowing that it's going to work out. Um, right. Because what's what's the alternative, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, well. There's a school shooting yesterday and my Facebook feed today is littered, littered with people. Of course it's tragic, but I talked to one friend of mine today and he is so paralyzed today. We all are to a certain degree, but to, to the point where he said, man, I just, I was so worried about my son. I was driving him to school today and, uh, you know, driving home after school or, you know, after I dropped him off. And I said, well, what'd you guys talk about this morning? You know what, Ben? I, I was so upset. I did. We didn't even talk. Well, mm-hmm. it's one thing to be aware. It's another to be immersed. And I think yeah. when you're immersed in things, it can, it can paralyze everybody. Absolutely. So, you know, that little, the kid's in fourth grade. So, What's he thinking if he's heard anything on the news? I'm sure he has. Um, you know, is he going to school scared? Is he going to school feeling emotionally supported? I I wonder. You know, it's uh, we got to be careful what we put in because that's what's going to come out. And even more so now, right? I mean, the speed of opinion. It's not even news anymore. The speed of opinion is so <laughs> fast and we're immersed in it that uh, it's even more important 
what we're putting in, what we're listening to, you know, who we're surrounding ourselves with more than ever before. Absolutely. Uh, you know, going back to peak experience. I mean, here uh, a month ago, a thousand people in the room and we all thought we were on this island by ourselves. Right. A thousand of the top agents and lenders across the country very into immersing themselves in very much personal growth people. Right. And yet everybody has been beat up these last two, two and a half years, no matter where they're at in the country. Right. And well, I would argue not as much as you and I have here in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a little rougher in other places. Yeah, yeah. Just, just to, uh, I mean, I think somebody said it there, it may have been one of us, but if you've got a thousand people that are very much personal growth oriented, very much about putting the good stuff in and it's still impacting us and affecting us the way it has, can you imagine how the rest of the world feels? Right. And, to me, it was kind of a it was kind of a little fire in my butt of you know what we need to be that light to you know our clients and our friends and our family, even when it feels like it's not making an impact. Yeah. Again, coming back to the little things, it is absolutely. People, it's not just kids that are you know we always say that our kids are watching us as they grow up. It's not just our kids; it's everybody's watching. Right, absolutely. You know, Bill Hampton said. That if you improve 1% every single day, you improve 9, uh, 38% over the course of a year. And if you don't improve every day over one year, you're only going backwards 0.35%. So you figure two and a half years now, we've been dealing with COVID, lockdown, everything else that's gone along with that, Black Lives Matter, um, you name it, Ukraine, yeah. anything. Yeah. And a lot of us have learned to just be still with ourselves and, and not engage, not interact. So the reality is as bad as it's been, you know, we're, we're still only one to 2% worse off than we were a couple of years ago, yeah. but we can so quickly turn things around if we focus on the good. And there's a lot of heckin' good out there. There is. So, Sean, I'm going to wrap up here by just asking you a couple of questions. I appreciate you having being on, yeah. uh, you're a good friend of mine. You're a massive influence on me in, in the best way. I appreciate you. And um, if you were to th think of one thing that you could look back on and say, hey, this is from the last recession that we had, or some would call it a depression, because I think we're definitely in one now, at a recession, even though if the political heads aren't admitting it. As we head into a recession – you're a business person. Got a lot of people out here that are fellow realtors, fellow business owners. What's the one thing you think that got you through that and helped helped you leap past others during the last downturn? I'll kind of, maybe I'll take this really quick in two ways. One sure. is I didn't handle the last downturn well at all. Uh, I spiraled. And so I think I always promise myself that'll never happen again because we know everything's cyclical. Maybe sure. well, that I don't think we're going to experience what we experienced then. I mean, that was more right. of a recession, right? It was that was crazy. nuts. Yeah. Um, but I said, I'm never going to be in that position. For realtors, let's be honest, that was COVID, right? That was <laughs> realtors have had COVID twice now. True. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I think so from that too, is you've got to be willing to, and this goes for, I don't care what industry or where you're at in your life. 
age-wise or demographic-wise or anything. You've got to be willing to look back, not get caught up in today's media. You've got to be willing to look back and say, what did I learn from that? What am I going to do or not going to do? And so that 2008 to 2000, you know, let's say 11, 12 timeframe there, I did a lot of things incorrectly um, that I am, I'm not going to say I'm excited about, but have definitely, I'm in a much different space uh, in all the different circles now because of what I went through then, right? I mean, we, we are, who we are, whoever we are now is because of the fires we've gone through before. Right. And, uh, and that was one of them. I, so my encouragement for you people is you've got to look back at your own history and figure out and learn from that. Otherwise you're just going to continue to repeat it. Right. Um, How did I get through that one? Honestly, this isn't anything Nothing special here. I'm the little kid from a little school with a chip on my shoulder. You know, you can't do it. And, you know, I was down to nothing financially, emotionally, spiritually, every circle during that, that time frame, I was down to nothing. So it was my own chatter in my head saying, right. you can't do this. You can't do this. So I had to overcome that and just get that chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I think a chip on the shoulder is a, a beautiful thing. It's a good, yeah, and I think it's a good, uh, it's a good igniter, and it can last you a while. You do have to figure out some other. You can't just walk around always with the chip on. Right, sure, yeah, yeah. It's a great igniter uh, to to do things, and I've realized that about myself. Sometimes you just gotta, you have you have to have a hard conversation with the person in the mirror. I love it. Good stuff. Well, Sean, I appreciate you being on. Appreciate you having. People want to, you want to tell people where you at, how they can get a hold of you? Pretty easy. I mean, if you, uh, you know, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Sean Hackney, spelled the right way with an S E A N, you'll find me on all the different uh, platforms Instagram, Facebook, and all that. Cool. Happy to connect. Awesome. Sean's a good dude. I suggest you reach it out to him. He just, he's a good guy. Good guy to know. Uh, thank you for being on. And, May the wind continue to be at your back, my friend. Take care. Yours as well. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Run With Ben. As always, we are sponsored by our own real estate team, andrewsbyreferral.com. Heidi and I have put together a wonderful team of realtors, and we are ready, willing, and able to help you, your friends, your family members, buy or sell a home throughout Oregon and Southwest Washington. If you need a connection to a realtor outside of our market, please reach out. We have wonderful relationships throughout the United States. If you could do me a favor, I would appreciate it. Please remember to share, subscribe, like, and review this podcast. God bless.